do not ask me why I have the sensation. I'm so nervous. I always thought for some reason I am like very on the same wavelength as Hillary Duff. Welcome to Signal, the podcast that raises your frequency. I'm Maury Fontanez, Purpose and Intuition Coach. And I'm Melissa Grushka, and Denzel Washington is my imaginary lover. This week, we're going to talk about parasocial behavior. You ready to do it? Let's go. Bean. Bean. I want to ask you how your week was, but I kind oh of know God. how your week was because I was with you. We are just back from Nashville. Nashville. Oh my God. You know what? I woke up the other day and felt like that whole thing was a dream because I had such a good time. Yeah. Like, is it normal to have that much many days of fun in your 40s? I would hope so. I hope there's many more ahead. I Cheers. know. I really, that is the beginning of many, many trips. We had such a good time like we literally kept looking at each other and being like there's more there's more days there's more things to do yeah it was so fun especially since our normal trips have been like one or two days together and this one was an epic four day non-stop maximizing every ounce (laughs) of fun trip what was your favorite part stevie nicks oh my god that concert stevie nicks crying holding each other sobbing while everybody was staring at us wondering what was happening (laughs) We were literally holding each other during landslide, yeah. sobbing, as our though, faces like, off. As though we had like a friend who passed away who used to listen to landslide. <laughs> Tell me that's not what it looked like. It did look like that. But you know what? It really hit a, I For me, it hit me in that moment that I was standing there with my best friend yep. listening to this yep. song that's about aging. Yep. And see, I'm going to get emotional now. I and being started- like, oh my God, like this is a person who I have been through so many seasons with, who I'm going to be through so many more seasons with. And like how beautiful that like we are navigating – our lives together. I'm going to throw up while I cry for a second. (laughs) I also think it really spoke to me with, since as we were saying, it's an age thing. And as we, I think I've made pretty clear so far, I've been having some issues with my age lately, but I really, I mean, that moment in time, like completely shifted my entire perspective. I felt transformed. We both walked out of there being like, you know what? What yeah. what did you what changed for you on the aging front during in that moment? Well, first of all, Stevie Nicks is like 75 maybe yeah, and was 74. like just straight kicking ass and feeling it and being so beautiful and I'm like she can do this and be so grateful for this moment and she's got 35 years on me and yeah. she is up there like just giving it her all. And I yeah. just thought like what how beautiful how how beautiful is this moment plus our trip was so amazing I'm like this wouldn't have happened in my 20s this kind of yes. trip this happened because yes. I'm in my 40s and I have yes. these luxuries now and I you know I have the ability to do more things that I like to do and be me doing it yeah. yeah yeah no I felt like I really got the message in that moment like the reason that you are so the reason you're thriving are all of these years that have right. added up. Totally. And the fact that you have this 20-year-long friendship is yeah. because of your age. Totally. And and th- these are seasons that are all beautiful. And the message I got is like, can you just let go of the way you're resisting right. what's Me coming? Me too. See. Can you just set it down and Same. go with the stream? 
especially because we're not getting these times back. I can obsess about how different my 20s were, my 30s were, but like now is now. Truthfully, now is now. And if I spend all this time fretting, I'm going to miss the now. And then in 10 years, I'm going to look back and be like, what? You missed that whole time period obsessing about something that is no longer there. Yes, 100%. Isn't that true for all of life? But we also, besides sobbing, did some like so much, so many fun. A lot we got of our, drinking. Yeah, lots of drinking, lots, lots of, of live so music, music, lots of dancing, lots, lots of, of dancing. being at Justin Timberlake's one place because that was definitely your vibe. It was swankier. Wait, was it not your vibe? It was my vibe too. But I think I we talked about how I was more comfortable in like the country <laughs> – yeah, you sure were. Of it all than you were, which was weird because I'm a browner presenting person than you are. And you even had a brown moment there where I was like ready to tackle some dude. <gasps> oh, yeah. What happened? All right. I'll share this story and then we're going to get into our business. Okay. okay. Um, I think we were walking by. He was a vet and he was holding a sign. He said homeless vet or something. You were, We were both walking by. It was a super crowded street. You were wearing a sweatshirt that said Colorado because we're in our 40s. So we can do things like wear sweatshirts in Nashville. We don't have to dress like... <laughs> sluts, even though we did both. Anyway, we're walking by this guy and I'm trying to smile at him from afar because I have this thing where a lot of people, I think, um, dehumanize people without homes, unhoused, unhomed people. And they don't, you know, they sort of ignore them as though they're less than. So I always make a point to look and make eye contact and smile, even if I'm not um, giving any type of money or food, um, just like an acknowledgement. And uh, so I did, was doing that. And as we approach, he's not responding to my smile or my anything, no nod. And then he starts going, America, America, America. And then he said something like, but fuck Colorado, because that place, what did he say? That, I don't know. Something gross. He was shouting America at me. At you. Because of my brownness. And it took me till we were like a block and a half past him to realize what happened. Because I kept saying, what about that interaction caused him to, what, the, what about what I did caused him to start oh. chanting America. I didn't know what was yeah. going on because I was just trying to be friendly. Um, <laughs> and then I realized because I looked over and you were wearing the Colorado sweatshirt and I was like, yeah. oh, this is what's happening. And then I was yeah. so, so mad. Yeah. Like yeah. infuriated. I do think that I was just telling a friend yesterday, like I definitely got a sense being in Tennessee how – truly this division that we hear about. I think because when you live on the coasts, it's really hard to feel it. Like, right, you're in Pennsylvania, super progressive. I live in California, which might as well be its own country. And I really feel like I got to be in the experience of how divided we are, like, and how much fear is out there around being different. Like, I know I read about it. I have so many incredible trans friends and clients who tell me about it. Right. But it's so different to be in it and be like, oh, my God, we were standing in line for the Stevie Nicks concert. And this woman was talking to us. Do you remember this? Oh, yeah. And she's like, I was being friendly to her. And she said, where do you live? And I said, California. She goes, oh, that's where you guys have all that those problems with those low lives. And I'm like, what? But I will get I will say she was off her rocker. Yeah, but still. It doesn't matter. I, I told yeah, you. I the fact that she was calling unhoused people lowlifes it was like wild. blew my mind. I'm like, oh, my God, this is what we're doing. We live in a country where we have been convinced that people are genuinely worthless if they don't look and act like us. And like, I know that that's been the country we've lived in this whole time, unfortunately. But like, I just really got to like experience it. I don't know. It broke my heart. It was super white. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. It was like a super which, white bill, which is fine. 
Um, but it was that element of you cannot be other that was more, yes. I thought, a little more palpable. Yeah. But I still had a great time. I think it's a great city in a lot of ways. I love yeah. you and I could listen to live, I could listen to live music yes. until I'm dead. There is no shortage of live music there. None. The amount of talent packed into that one so city is unreal. Yeah. Like you just walk into a random bar and some woman is like singing, like you feel like you're watching, I don't know. Beyonce. Seriously. Yes. It was no, insane. I agree. Which is almost yeah. why there's some magic in that when somebody like there's True. so much natural talent, you would think that it would f- almost feel a little different. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that, that divide wouldn't be so palpable because the love of music can bring anybody together. But I think Nashville probably does feel different than other parts of I'm sure. the state. Yeah. I I'm think sure. it's definitely way more progressive. All right. Well, Nashville was amazing. It was amazing, amazing, amazing. Long story short. Yeah. So anyway, today, as per my joke earlier, um, we are going to get into parasocial behavior. And I'm just going to give a quick background for anyone who doesn't know what parasocial behavior is. It's basically, a, it's like a one-sided relationship where one person is really investing a lot of energy and time and love into another person who doesn't even know they exist. It's like fangirling. It's like fangirling yes. over somebody, over a celebrity or some influencer and caring and really putting emotional energy into it. And the celeb does, like, doesn't know you exist. That's why I'm Denzel's imaginary. Denzel's my imaginary lover because he doesn't Got know it. I exist. Thank you for connecting that intro. Problem. <laughs> anyway, also, I think with the pandemic, it's become even more uh, pervasive in society because people lost so many connections, social connections that they were like grasping to um, form connections with anybody, whether it was a celebrity, an influencer, plus so much social media allows us this instant access into these people's lives that we never had before. So while people before were like in love with musicians and whoever, actors, they didn't have access to them in the way we do now. So it's definitely getting more and more and more popular. Do you have thoughts on why? I do. I mean, well, I actually think it's interesting to talk about like, you know, when we have our little planning meetings and we talk about what do we want to, what like what's lighting us up? What do we want to talk about? And it's like, why talk about parasocial relationships on a self-growth spirituality pie yourself podcast? I think it makes and sense. I do. And I think it's because w- what we both came to is like, wow, we really, this is an example of how far from our own identities we can go in like to get love or acceptance or feel like there's belonging. I think it's about belonging. I know. It sounds lonely to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I think that, you know, the tie-in here, hopefully that we'll get to in this episode is, you know, how do we build these parasocial relationships and what do they mean right now as we continue to get further isolated and away from our own truth and away from our own identity? So I think that's what it's about. And I do think there is, I do think there's some positive connection there. Um, I do think, especially during COVID when we couldn't physically be with other people and our things were really deteriorating for people socially and emotionally. I think this really was an opportunity for people to connect again and not just connect with the celeb, but connect with other fangirls and fanboys and, you know, feel that, like you said, a sense of belonging. It's almost like a club you're in. Like we're all obsessed with so-and-so. So let's all share how passionately we feel about it's kind of like how music brings people together. These parasocial relationships probably bring people together. Yeah, we're currently obsessed with Tom and Ar- Tom and Ariana. Ariana, Ariana. Ariana. calling her Adriana. So sorry, Tom and Ariana's relationship. 
which is an example of a parasocial relationship. Like we are so invested in this Vanderpump Rules relationship. I mean, I, I don't know how invested I am, but I'm definitely interested. Oh, I'm so invested. Like I don't are you feel kidding? I don't feel any emotional. Like I could n- stop oh, watching yeah, yeah. it tomorrow and not care. But I'm interested. Yeah. So yeah. the day we were supposed to go to Nashville, I had a flight at four five a.m., which means I had to wake up at three thirty, and I still oh, you stayed did? up to watch that last episode Oof. of Vanderpump Rules till eleven. Yes, because I couldn't. <laughs> Couldn't not. I was that invested. I listen. I do think that it you're, the pandemic exacerbates it, but I actually think that we are in a pandemic of loneliness oh, because of social media agreed. and digital devices. Right? Thank like God. Surgeon General has now said that it's a conversation that's been happening for the last decade. I don't know if you saw that um, documentary, The Social Dilemma. Was it the one about Facebook? Yeah, Facebook and Instagram and how I basically so. they keep hooking you like it creates of this course. addiction and right. And so in in that documentary and then, you know, since there's been a lot of conversation about how social and just digital worlds create such loneliness because we get so fully sucked into the device that we forget to look up and talk to each other. I mean, yesterday, my son had a little friend over. It was really cute, a female friend. Oh, la la. Yeah. There was a little awkwardness, I'm sure. But also, they were sitting out by the pool with the dog in between them. And at one point they were talking, so I, you know, walked away. I come back and they're both on their phones. And I was like, oh, God, no. I walked out there. I'm like, give me your phone. This is not the Uh point. But I think you see a lot of that where people get together and they're on their phones. So there's an isolation that's occurring. And I think that because we're isolated and we're spending so much time in this digital social world, we form relationships with the content and the makers of that content or the subject of that content in a way that feels really real to us. I even heard that um, this generation, this younger generation, how many times do I say that on this podcast? I'm like, these younger I think folk- we should make it a drinking game. Oh. Let's make it a drinking game. Oh, I love that idea. I love that idea. Yes. Every time Melissa says this younger generation, take a drink or a Grab shot. Grab your cane. Go. And take a shot. <laughs> um, but you know what? I, after Nashville, I embrace my cane. Okay. And mm. I embrace this younger generation. God I bless them. I did re- I don't know if this is true, but I did hear that even the younger generation, they spend less time with one another because they connect so yeah. much over social and texting and whatever that they don't feel the need to be physically present with one another in the same ways that we used to. And I do believe that even though it's beautiful to connect that way, there is obviously something hugely beneficial about being in person. I mean, Nashville, even like being together with you and realizing how long we've gone just talking on the phone and texting yeah. is like kind of made me nauseous. I kept saying to you yeah. when we were there, how do I go home and recreate yeah. this feeling of connection that I have? Yes. Right? And yes. I said it like over and over. Like, I'm so lucky to have this. Yeah. Imagine if we just Same. didn't, we just spent our time texting each other instead of like connecting, I want to yeah. say physically, but without a sexual connotation. <laughs> No, we'll save that for. But Denver. we did a lot of hugging. We did a lot of all of that thing. Yeah, no, but I. So I think it's an isolation thing for sure. I also think you know I've been reading a little bit about this, and I really do believe this. I think that we are in an era where religion is having a major reputational crisis. Um, you know, people are really looking at organized religion, particularly Western religion. Can I say rightfully so. Is that kosher? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> That's your perspective. And really deciding that it it feels either hypocritical because of the things they've seen religious leaders do in the past 20, 30 years. It feels too exclusionary because it does not allow for their true identities to be involved. I think people really are in a place with religion where they're feeling like- Confined. Uh, I think too confined. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and also not getting what they need, right? Because the, the entire function of religion really was to bring people around a common purpose and a bigger purpose and to bring people around this notion that we are not alone on this planet. There is something bigger that we are connected to. A parasocial relationship with God, you might say? God. <laughs> Right? <laughs> no, really. Yeah. yeah. And I think that, you know, people are starting to feel like they want that connection, that religion has let them down. I personally believe that's why spirituality in general is on the rise, because there's still a feeling we all have in our soul that there is something right. larger. It we can't know just that. Be us. And so no. And so we do want to connect to that. And I and that's so much of what my work is about. That aside. I think that the lack of that religious connection has created this opening for other people to become gods, for us to look at people and really create these idols and icons. I think we need idols and icons. And so when we don't have the main one, uh, we make them out of people and we make them out of people that we can't reach. There's a untouchability to celebrity that creates this like, oh my God, you're an idol and an icon. And I think that that is part of what's really causing this parasocial relationship to increase. I don't think this is new, but I think that social media plus this lack of trust and connectivity to religion has just created this massive opening for, for people to step into unknowingly celebrities and influencers and fill the gap. And I don't even think it's unhealthy necessarily. I mean, I think that it's nice to look up to somebody and idolize somebody in a healthy way. Yeah. Where I think things are getting dicey and confusing is that now these godlike figures have so much pull on their audiences in terms of yeah. what they're buying, how they're voting, just so many things. Their perspective on everything can be shifted completely yeah. by what this one celebrity is saying or selling or anything. And I think that gets super dangerous to be completely honest. Or politician, as we just saw with the name we shall not mention, right? Like what he was able to do, our former president, to take people's fear and stoke it and then really create this love for him from the people that had that fear. Yeah, social media. Yeah, is really, you're right. I mean, when you think about the danger, I think that's such a good example of how dangerous it is to feel like you know this person, you love this person, yeah. and this person's taking your love and using it as a way to accumulate power. By stoking your fear. And I mean, that's a, that's a super heavy example, of course, and super accurate. Yeah. Sorry. No, I mean, whoa. Lighten it up. Lighten it up. <laughs> I mean, I was even thinking more along the lines of like uh, the Kardashians totting some, yeah. some like a uh, diet powder shake or something when they have a bunch of 15 and 16 year old girls watching them yeah. and they take on but this role of um, ambassador to certain brands that are not healthy for their followers to be watching or they're not safely yeah. uh, marketing whatever it is that they're selling. Right. And it becomes confusing. I think also the, I think the younger generation shots up, everybody <laughs> shots. shots up, can't always differentiate in the ways that us older folks can when there something is a marketing tactic. I mean, I don't think that's you don't? true. I think that it's so no. ingrained in certain celebrities status. Yeah. That you don't always even know. I mean, even I feel like building their own brand alone is like a marketing tactic that can be confusing. Yeah. No, totally. I'm just, I am disagreeing that it has to do with your age and your ability to differentiate. I think it has to do with how solid your relationship to your own identity is. Ooh, and I think there's shit. people who are much older 
who don't have a solid relationship to identity that some people who are younger and maybe sometimes totally. younger people can look at stuff and be right. like, what? How do you believe this person? But it's because they've got a stronger relationship to their truth. I feel like we also need, it can't be a shot, but we also need to do something whenever I say that's some deep shit. I feel like I say that three to six times every episode. Okay. Listen, to balance it out, take a drink of water. That's smart. A shot of water. Yeah. That's some see, deep this shit. This is a responsible podcast. Yeah. I, I, you brought up the Kardashians. I think it's so interesting because you and I both come from a, a similar career background, which is marketing and PR. Right. And, you know, so much of this building celebrity by building a parasocial relationship is a PR and marketing stuff. Exactly. That's exactly what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah. And, you know, I think reality television is a really good – you knew I was going to find a way to bring up reality the Real Housewives. <laughs> how long – just how long have I been trying to do an episode on the Real Housewives? I don't know. We we honestly – and we keep shooting you down. <laughs> every, uh, every the week, whole team is like, no. Every week we're like, so what about this week? And you're like, I know. <laughs> and every week we're the like, hmm, we always like kind of pretend like we're considering it. And then we're like, not this week, B. Not this no. week. Maybe next week, honey pie. <laughs> One day, you know what, listeners? If you're listening and you want an episode on the Raise Real Housewives, help a girl out. Can you let us know? Send us an email. Put put it in the comments. Anyway, so so what is your perspective then on the fact that these people are completely marketing whatever they feel like marketing and using their own identity to do the marketing? Does that make sense? Does that was that clear what yeah. I just said? I think it's less about the what they're marketing because, again, I think celebrities have been doing that since the beginning of time. I think it's – There wasn't a reach though. This, yeah, true. No, their reach is higher. I think it's it's building the relationship with someone like you know me. You have right. the inside track. You really get – like you get me, wink, wink. Totally. You should also buy this powder. Um, you know, I don't know. What do I think about it? I think that's marketing 101. Oh, you're cool with it? No. I mean, it no. is. Mar- you're right. It is marketing. This is it's a, and it's all business. It is a thing. You're right. Yeah. It's all business. This is the way business has functioned forever. I, I think it's not new. I think here's the thing. I think what's more insidious is that if you look at, you know, big stars from the 50s and 60s and 70s, there was a clear differentiator between their private lives Correct. and you as the fan. Correct. And I think now there is a false impression Correct. that you understand them more th- like three-dimensionally as a human being. And you, you, it's not just their celebrity, but like you really feel like you identify with them and their personality because of your access to them in social media. And so their influence is even greater. That's why I don't think it's been around since the beginning of time. Yeah. I feel like this is all Got super you. new. Like we didn't have this type of access to people like the Kardashians. Like we didn't until reality shows started, yeah. which was literally less than 15 years ago. I was just, someone just sent me a, another example. They it was one of the producers was showing me something about Taylor Swift. I'm, I'm keeping cool. I'm keeping hip with the younger generation. Shot time. Shot. <laughs> um, that she years ago did like this whole thing for one of her albums where she randomly selected um, fans and they would come and like bake cookies with her in one of her houses all over the world. She did this at different houses all what? over the world. They came in and would like That's bake scary. cookies with her. Scary. And listen to her album before it was released. What do you mean? That's scary for her. To have fans, and I'm sure she handled the security aspect of it. Okay, I'm sure. I'm not. I wasn't. I'm sorry. You're so worried about. No, Taylor. you're right. That's but like that's genius, though. But bro, that's I know. genius because then everybody mm-hmm. is like, oh wait, I could be the next fan. I could be selected. Like Taylor cares so much about us 
that I could be the next one. And that's crazy. Yeah. That's some real psychological marketing, which I guess getting into the 100%. psychology of people is marketing 101, 100%. But this feels, I don't know, slightly deceitful. But look what's happening with Taylor. Well, so it's not by the time this episode comes back, maybe we should say a few months back, right. a few weeks back, what has Transpired. been happening with Taylor mm-hmm. is that people are looking at the guy she's allegedly dating and all of his very public statements that clearly show that not only is he a racist, <gasps> he is, I don't know, if he feels anti-human to me. Like he does not have compassion for other human beings based on the things he said in interviews. And now the fandom the Taylor fandom, I'm not going to say it's a large percentage because I think the Swifties are Swifties for life, but there is this Swifties. breakdown of like, oh my God, who is this person that we love so much? How can she be dating such a vile person? And they're having literally like a crisis of consciousness over who they thought they knew, which again, they don't know her, right. but they believe they do. Correct. And now they're looking at her actions or the, her, you know, associating her with this person she's dating and feeling like, so lost by it. And that's that's where this parasocial relationship becomes a little so scary. Scary. Yeah. Cause you really feel like you know them and they've let you down. Yeah. Weird that we uh casually brought up Taylor Swift and it what you were just saying actually speaks exactly to the question I was gonna read that I snuck into your DMs oh. and did <laughs> or whatever you psychic but, moment. Um totally so I'm just going to read verbatim what the question is. Hi, Maury. Okay. I'm a longtime Taylor Swift fan. This is literally what we were saying. And even though I wouldn't consider myself a Swifty, in quotes, huh. I feel like I've grown with her since I was a kid. Actually, that's interjection. Mm-hmm. That's kind of nice in terms of parasocial. If you've grown up watching somebody, you've watched them yeah. evolve and you've evolved. That's interesting. And you evolve with them. Yeah, that mm-hmm. must really get into your psyche. Anyway, I'm sorry. Back mm-hmm. to the question. I'm really struggling with my fandom right now. If you're not aware, she's publicly dating Matt Healy, who has a history of making racist and sexist remarks. He feels like the antithesis of her brand. And while I don't care who she's dating, I feel like I'm supporting someone who supports a racist and I'm not okay with that. I'm struggling with what the right move is here. Would love your thoughts. Wow. I would love your thoughts as well to the answer to that. Wow. Wow. I think that's so funny. We're talking mm-hmm. about Taylor Swift and mm-hmm. that was your DM question for this episode. So listen, I think that the big takeaway here is that when you're looking at someone who you don't know, no matter where, right? Uh, it's really important to understand that people are multidimensional beings. So think about a diamond and all of the facets it has all around it. I want you to ask yourself when you start to build loyalty and intense feelings towards people, if you really have access to all of their facets. I think that we need to save our intense loyalty and love Um, an attachment. Love, I think, needs to be for everyone all the time. So I'll take love back. But our loyalty and our attachment, I think we have to really save that for the people that we get to see all of their facets. And not that we have to like all of their facets, not that we have to relate to all of their facets, because you never will. You never, ever will. You will always find a facet that you're like, oh, this doesn't totally match me. And that's called acceptance without judgment. But until you feel that you've been able to see the the fullness of that human being, good, bad, ugly, enlightened, asleep, whatever, right, all of the facets, 
then you save that level of intense attachment. You, you remind yourself, I don't really fully know this person, number one. Number two, Taylor Swift, just like you, just like me, is a human being on a journey to learn about herself and expand through those decisions. And we are not always going to agree with the way people make decisions to learn about themselves and expand and grow. And I don't think that it's okay to support someone who's supporting racism. Let me make that really clear. You do not. So it's okay. Absolutely not. I think there are some things that are black and white. Right. And I think that's one of them. If 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 someone is supporting such a divisive, inhumane concept right. as racism, then it is important to take a look at, oh, this does not match my value set, right? Like if it does not match your value set, then it's okay to take a step back. And this is an and, it's not an or. And allow that person to grow from this and hope that they get to a frequency that matches your value set again and then reassess it then, right? But for now, if it's not matching your values, then you let them go without hatred or judgment and you say, I hope that you're going to expand through this to a place where you can grow and be aligned with love and not hate. What does letting them go look like, though? I have like a very clear example in my own mind after you say it that I'd like to address. That's a really good question. Why, thank you. Again, I don't think that the letting go of has to be so black and white. I think it's letting Great. go of the need for them to be perfect. I think it's, do I, am I saying stop listening to her music? No, because music oh. is art. I have a very clear example about this oh, too. Oh, I guarantee sure you, you know. it's our example. Yeah. That's what I was just going to yeah. say. I guarantee so, you it's the same one. I think that, you know, I'm not saying you have to completely pretend like they don't exist. I'm saying let go of the need for this person to be your version of perfection. Let go of this person being your idol. Let go of idolizing them. Allow them to just exist as human in your mind and know that humanity is complex and that there is, you know, a lot of light and dark in all of it and that she's just as human as the next person and she's going to make choices right now that come from, you know, an unhealed place. And hopefully she heals through it. And as she heals through it, if it becomes, you know, public knowledge that she's healed through that place, then you can realign with her. But I, again, I would say never idolize because it's just not real. I was going to make a comparison, which then I realized is almost completely incorrect, but I still feel like I have to say it. Um, it's I'm almost thinking like when your friend is dating a dude or a chick who you're like, this is not right for you. Like this is not yeah. your vibe. You may take a step back from that friend. But you don't just completely, unless they start adopting that mentality that you truly don't support, you don't, you just kind of step back and you say, you know what, I'm going to let them figure out their journey. I'm going to be here when they need me, but I might not spend yeah. every day with you because I don't want to be around your partner, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good example. And I mean, with, with celebrities, you're not spending right. your time with them, exactly. but you do get to decide how much they, how much you give to and you. how much energy you give yeah. to them. Energy you give them. Wait, yeah. so I'm going to give my yeah. example, which now I'm almost yeah. confident is going to be your example, but it's something I like <laughs> really sure. struggle with, truly struggle with. Wait, let's say it on the count of three. Let's just say the name, right. say the initials. One, One two, two, three. MJ. <laughs> so as long as I can remember, Bean and I have absolutely adored Michael Jackson. I mean, not like we're alone in that. He is a a rock. He's a star of the ages. However, 
a very disturbing documentary and uh, based on accusations that we've heard over the years came out. I don't even know when. And Bean made the very wise decision of not watching it. And I made the, for me- I don't me, know that that's a wise decision. I was decision. just going to say- f- I don't know. For yeah. Well, it, it just caused more, it's caused more struggle for me since I watched it. I can't unsee it. Not that I wanted to bury yeah. my head in the sand anyway, yeah, but yeah, I yeah. can't unsee it. And now it is like impossible for me to find the joy in just his music that I his once music. did without a tinge of, oh, should I not be listening to this? Am I supporting somebody who did very bad things that in real life I would never be anywhere near? Um Again, if those accusations are true, but to me, the documentary was very convincing, but I struggle with it. I have to say like some of my favorite songs of all time are Michael Jackson songs and Michael Jackson always reminds me of you. And now I I kind of want to like remove that association because I now have more (laughs) of a negative association, but that's been like kind of sad and painful because of how deeply inspiring I have always found his music to be. And how do I write that? How do I, how do I sit with that? I am not the I, I, I am not the right person to ask about no, this you because are I'll the tell right you I well but here's the thing I grew up obviously with this person and truly idolized yeah. him and like really felt that I loved him from the age of like four years old I remember watching the thriller video and being like I love you yeah like truly feeling love towards yeah. this person that was like very parasocial and I know that people felt that way because if you remember the videos of people at his concerts like fainting and you yeah. know like people like lost it for Michael yeah. Jackson so there was some magnetism totally. that he had that I don't I think is also um something we don't have words for in our human like vocabulary. There's something more to it than that. There's an energy element to it that people were attracted to. And, you know, I think that when this all happened, the funny thing for me is I have two kids. Well, I have two kids and two stepkids and three of the four really like to challenge me when a Michael Jackson (gasps) song comes on. And what they'll say is, um, you always have taught us to believe the victims. Always no matter what. Oh, no. What? How? Like, what are you doing? Which I'm hearing in their, you know, younger way of saying, like, how do you reconcile yeah. how strongly you feel about believing victims, particularly of sexual violence, right. um, with jamming out to Billie Jean? Yes. Like, how are you doing I this? I can't wait for this and answer. I have. <laughs> I'm like, uh-huh. I, yes. You're not uh-huh. going to like oh, it. Oh, no. You're, I don't. I don't have an answer. Oh, no. Because what is happening is there is a four-year-old inside of me who's still really attached. And it's hard to detach her. It's hard to take away that moment of staring up at that TV screen at a brown person, a black person who looked more like me than most of the people on MTV and feel like, oh, my God, you have to go away now. But Like, I have to lose you now. I feel like this is what the – the uh, person who DM'd you though was saying, and yeah, you no, sort of I know. give the counter advice of like you need to separate a little bit, but e- but that's what I've done, and that uh, so that is you the have answer. done that. I I yes, I mean I will say I definitely listen to his music less than ever mm-hmm. in my life because it creates hard feelings inside of me for sure. And number two, I think what I've decided is. It's the music I love. It's the not person. the person. Yeah, you're right. And that took me a while yes. to get to, but that's where I'm at. I'm going to enjoy the music because it's a, a form of art that was created by someone who had 
deep imperfections, deep trauma that then resulted in creating trauma and creating harm, which is how that happens. Harm only comes from being harmed. And I think I'm able to see that with some compassion, but also understand that this person is no longer the godlike creature that I wanted him to be as a child and not ascribe any of that energy to him when I listen to his music anymore. I'm going to try to adopt that mentality. And I think that in that way, that's it. That is a helpful uh, application for the Swifty who wrote in that you have to detach a bit from the person, but you can still appreciate the art that they've created without supporting racism. A hundred percent. I think that um, this goes to what we were talking about earlier when I said, I don't think parasocial relationships are anything new. I think that we have felt this connection to celebrity ever since celebrity existed. Um, So I think that that's, that's a good case for, yes, social media exacerbates it, but it's not new. I mean, who else do you think of being that you've had like a parasocial relationship with that you had a uh, unnatural connection to. Um, I really, I don't have it a lot. I feel like in my adult life, uh, but and even I really even like as a kid, I was obsessed with um, DJ Tanner. I'm having a blank on her real name. What's her real name? <laughs> wait, Candace Cameron. Candace Cameron. Oh my god, I can't believe I. Just oh well, that. right. Wait. So like yeah. even as a child, I remember in fourth grade we had to write let- letters to like. <laughs> Uh, a person, any person in the world, dead or alive, who you'd love to like have lunch with. Like you had to write, it was like a persuasive letter. And mine was to Candace Cameron. And I was like convinced I was so persuasive it was going to work. It was like, let's have lunch. (laughs) Meet you later. I I, I don't know. I just felt really attached to her. I will say people also always compared my sister to her a lot growing up. So I don't know if that played a role for me um, in that relationship. And then I feel like as I got older, there was like, you know, I was like in love with Gavin Rosdale as a 13 year old the lead singer of bush for those who are for the younger generation who doesn't know what i'm talking about (laughs) drink Drink. shots um and then i i was thinking you know when sex in the city came out i was just really into sarah jessica parker like i couldn't read enough or any art any magazine article that came out about her i read i just sort of ate it up and did you want your identity to match hers that's what i'm saying i don't know i'm not I don't think I'm a good example of somebody who has a lot of power yeah. social yeah. relationships. I could see that about you. It's just you. not who I am. Celebrities have never like done it. This goes back to my hypothesis. What? I think you have a very strong sense of your own oh, truth and identity. I, love that. I really do. I really think that about you. And I think that's why you're able to kind of take it and leave it. Like you're yeah. kind of able to be like, this doesn't match my, like, I don't, I'm good with who I am. I don't need anyone else to like create an idol for me but i can appreciate their art and stuff i feel like you might fangirl you or you have fangirled a little bit more although i will say because we were just talking about him right before we got on i would probably fangirl over the obamas both of them equally yeah like if i saw them i would like let's hug let's hold each other guys i always (laughs) say this i always say this because you know people ask me about being starstruck and i'm like i have this immense opportunity to coach celebrities And, you know, people ask, like, do you ever get starstruck? I'm like, the only two people oh, I genuinely I only know one. I, would be I don't know the second. I'm so excited. Are Barack Obama. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, I didn't know that. And this is my current parasocial relationship, Oprah Winfrey. Yes, that I knew. But I kind of feel like yeah. that feel, I feel like that for a lot of us because she was like this very maternal, wise figure for so many people. Totally. Yeah. And she, for me, is the reason there is even an ability to do the work I do because she normalized 
spirituality and she normalized this conversation of growth through connection to your soul. Absolutely. Have you listened to the Super Soul podcast? No. Is it Oprah's podcast? Listen to (gasps) it. And she, what she does is she really platforms people who have are really like profound spiritual teachers like Pema Chodron and Eckhart Tolle and Elizabeth Lesser, who you know her book changed my life when I was getting divorced. Broken Open. Anyone getting divorced, read Broken Open by Elizabeth Lesser. I even read it Um, and I'm not getting divorced. It was very powerful. Yes. And she's platformed those people. Right now, the current criticism is she's also platformed people like Dr. Phil. And that's true. I got into a major heated debate with two of our producers over this recently um, because they're younger. They didn't grow up fully watching her the way I did. And they're like, she's definitely flawed. And I couldn't fully hold hearing that. Oh, you really I'm couldn't? Like, She's done so much. That's so funny because no. your advice is these people are human. Yeah. But this is your parasocial relationship. Wow. I've got my own. I live 15 minutes away from her. So I cross my fingers all the time. That you're going to run into her at the That store? we'll just bump into each other. She'll hug you. Yeah, you know, I'm, sure, I'm sure she's out just doing her own grocery yeah, shopping. totally. She's one of the people. I'm going to tell you a really, I'm going to give you a really weird one. And honestly, this is not like, I don't know if I'd call this a parasocial relationship. I don't really know what I'd call it. Maybe I should just not think about it again and call it nothing. I'm going to tell you, you're going to be like, what? Um, I have always had this. It's not like a connection. I don't know anything about her. I don't watch any of her stuff. I don't follow anything about her. Do not ask me why I have the sensation of- I'm so nervous. (laughs) That- I always thought for some reason I am like very on the same wavelength as Hillary Duff. <laughs> I can't believe I'm admitting this out loud. Whenever what? I see her, I'm just like, Wait, I get what? it. I don't know. There's nothing. I had can elaborate in no way other than when I see her, I think like, yeah, I get it. I, I don't know what it is. I bet most people don't even know. You know, I feel like she's remained, uh, God love you, Hillary Duff, but I feel like she's always been sort of like a D-list celebrity. And I've just always, <gasps> is that me? How dare you? Not a, I'd give her at least a B. Oh, you would? Okay, fine. Whatever. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just the vibe she emits. I'm like, I feel like that's wow. my vibe. Like I am Hillary Duff. Do you know what I think that is? What? Are you ready? Yeah. Intuition. I think you have karma with her. Oh. Yeah. I think you recognize her soul from a past oh. life. I think when we get that feeling about people that we – and I, this can happen with people you meet. Have you ever just met – I mean, when we met, yes. when you meet someone and you're like, you, oh, instantaneous, like, oh, like I, you have energized me just by being me, here. re-meeting you, I think what it is. So obviously for listeners, I believe in past lives. I believe our soul keeps coming back to fulfill the karma from our last lives, to learn and grow and expand until we expand so much we don't have to keep – incarnating in a human body that's a real maybe we just need an wow. episode on that because i did that real fast <laughs> my eyeballs like um, open to three <laughs> times the size you know i think no that. i know you think that um, i just don't know what i think i think that i see her yeah, like yeah, yeah. vibe and i'm like that's kind of like my vibe so we're probably kind of the same <laughs> or or we knew each other in a past life either way when you have that inexplicable like being drawn, I think there's something more than meets the eye. I think there's more again than our human minds can hold about what how we recognize that energy as being familiar. And we just don't have the language or the proof. You know, we're so freaking proof oriented right. as human Especially beings. Me. We don't have the tangible evidence to understand it, but it is a feeling and you can't ignore the feeling. And so I think that's a that's a past life thing. Maybe you guys were like 
married or sisters Ooh. or I do believe in energy though very much so like that's that's a hard yes for me um past yeah. lives and and souls inhabiting different bodies I, I don't know where I stand <laughs> on that but I will say I definitely am behind energy I think it draws you in it pushes you away so sometimes I do think maybe like we just have a very similar our frequency of energy Vibe. is very similar so I'm just drawn to her yeah. even though I've never been around her or seen her maybe it's just like the way she moves I don't know Anyway, I yeah. feel like I got to get off my Hillary Duff train. Choo-choo. Okay. That was truly surprising. I, there's very few things about you I think I don't know. And you really gonna... – m- you had me speechless there. I wasn't expecting This is the first time Hillary I've admitted Duff. this to any out loud. I've always felt no. it, but I've never said it out loud. I applaud your courage. Thank you. I feel courageous. <laughs> I feel brave and courageous. Anyway, I feel you like are. now I'm embarrassed and I think we should just wrap this party up. Okay. Got <laughs> Hillary it. Duff got me blushing. Uh <laughs> Anyway, you work so much with identity. I mean, and I think that you touched on this a little, that a lot of this is related to identity, but just to like wrap it up in a neat bow. Bring us bring home. Bring us home. Like how does this truly relate to identity? How, what What is our takeaway from this? We have been taught that who we are on its own is not enough. And that is because we seek other people's validation from a very young age because we need their love to be safe, to belong, to have dignity, which are three very common and basic human needs. And so because we're taught that at our core, we are not enough, I believe we detach from really seeing value in our own identity. We feel that our identity needs to reflect something from the outside. Yeah. Because what we've been taught is that what's on the inside is not enough, which is, by the way, totally false. Yeah. But we all get indoctrinated into that myth. And I think that this conversation about parasocial relationships and idolizing and creating icons out of people yeah. is a reflection of that base belief, I am not enough as I am. And so I need to look up to and strive for something that is shimmerier, that is more valuable. That other people say is enough. You know, like that celebrity, she's enough. He's enough. They're enough. Yes. Yeah. So you're like, I have to be that. Yes. Because they're getting so much validation that we look at that validation and that's the currency. Followers are the currency. And when we see that currency, we believe Oh, that's what enough looks like. So I'm going to try and pull my identity towards that so I can be enough. Wow, that's really heartbreaking in a lot of ways. Can I just say that you are enough? Everybody is enough. If I could just share that message, sprinkle that around. And that's the journey. It's really about learning that again. Wow. Well, thanks for coming out. (laughs) (laughs) That was fun. That was fun. As always. Always fun. I wish it was in Nashville, but it was still fun. It was still fun for my home. Yeah, it sure was. I'll see you next week. All right. Love you much. Love you. Bye. This has been another episode of Signal, the podcast that raises your frequency. This podcast is co-hosted by me, Maury Fontanez, and Melissa Gushka. Special thanks to my production team, Anushri Fekadet, Arman Kassam, and Anais Islami. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. See you then.